Toplitsky kicks it away to Tyson. And he's got space. Jordan Tyson finds a seam. There goes the freshman. It's been an amazing night for number four. And it continues. Touchdown, Buffs. Run, Jordan, run. Some of you may be saying to yourself, who is that? What just happened? Well, that was from last season. Colorado and Arizona State were playing a football game. Arizona State punted the ball to a true freshman by the name of Jordan Tyson. And he went ahead and took it to the house. And that season, before he had a season uh, ending, I believe it was a knee injury, 22 catches, 470 yards, and four touchdowns as a true freshman, plus that punt return touchdown that you heard. Uh, he visited Norman yesterday. Sounds like OU's in a really good spot for him. And, well, with what he brings at wide receiver and as a special teams weapon, Travis, I think that there's some reason to get excited about this uh, potential get via the portal. Yep, you always get excited about talent being added to your team, especially in a position where you've got a you know, a new coach to your staff. You want him to kind of have as much ammunition as possible. Uh, obviously adding a guy like him, adding the speed of Brennan Thompson, you know, you might be able to because I'm I'm clearly on record of put your best players on the field, but if you're able to put those guys in return, you know, in return duties, you don't need to have Billy Bowman back there. Kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, and by the way, if OU closes on Jordan Tyson, even if they don't close on Jordan Tyson, Emmett Jones is he's doing some things in recruiting and in the portal right now. And he was our official KREF recruiter of the month for the month of March, as created by Parker Thune and myself. And he's already landed, what, one wide receiver this month, I guess, right, in 2025. And if he gets Jordan Tyson, he'll be the heavy favorite to be the KREF Recruiter of the Month for a second consecutive month in the month of May. He's, he's on a roll right now, man. Well, he's going to run. Unless some 2026 kids start committing, he's going to run out of spots. And I know that once you get a little taste of the KREF Recruiter of the Month, that's, that's not something you can put down. Nope. That's a plaque that you hang in your office anytime that you can get it, you know? We're not making plaques just yet, but maybe we'll uh, we'll get there at some point. That's but a resume no, builder. Tyson, it really, it really is. Forget about 24-7 sports, recruiter of the year. It's all about the KRF uh, recruiter of the month. That's, that's what it is. But, yeah, Jordan Tyson, crystal balled right now to OU. I should say that. It's not just a good feeling, but he is actually crystal balled to OU. And a lot of people who – have watched or watched Colorado last year say that he wasn't just the best wide receiver. He may have been the best player on the entire team a year ago. Again, they were 1-11. I understand they weren't a great team, but you also have to factor in that this kid is a true freshman, true freshman out of Allen, Texas. So it's not like this would just be a one-year rental. He was a good player as a true freshman. You get him in your system and you see what happens in two to three years' time. Well, yeah, and – that's why I think Emmett is having such success, not only just based on his own credentials, but you look at these guys that have a good amount of, you know, a good amount of eligibility left. You've got your quarterback set through like 2030 right now. Like you have Jackson Arnold waiting in the wings, right? You've got Mike Hawkins Jr. who used to play with Tyson at Allen, you know, 
Um, Michael Hawkins Sr. was showing pictures of them on Twitter. And then you've got Kevin Sperry waiting in the 2025 class. Like, it is easy for a wide receiver to come to a place that he knows who's going to be throwing to him. That matters so much. So, yeah, it's a great point bringing up his eligibility. Uh, check out this text from the 918s. What if instead of Dylan Gabriel plus Farouk plus Stoops, the playmakers end up being Jackson Arnold plus a Texas transfer receiver plus a Colorado transfer? Could be a wild season ahead, guys. Not out of the question that this offense looks much like does uh, this offense looks not much like last season. Now, well, looks, I, I would bet uh, I, I would bet heavily against the latter of those three happening, but you're right. I mean, we've seen some wild seasons here recently. Um, it's not like it's a zero percent chance, even at quarterback, going into this year. No, the offense though it has it's got the potential to be much more dynamic. Like I, I think this is what you know Jeff Levy is looking at, going, okay, now I can really use everything i've got guys that can take the top off the defense i've got size at the wide receiver core i've got dependability on third downs and fourth downs and a guy like drake stoops now i've got a backup quarterback that will allow me to run my starter a bit more i've got two stud young running backs i've got offensive line with some you know with some once they're healthy some good experience you know and i think the offense has a chance to be on a whole nother level this year. Who do you think, in terms of immediate impact for portal wide receivers, are you looking more at Jordan Tyson if he ends up committing, or are you looking at more of a guy like Brennan Thompson? Brennan Thompson, much smaller but faster. Jordan Tyson, though, pretty fast and six foot two. Who's the immediate impact receiver out of the two portal ads? Hmm, I guess we're only taking this cycle of the portal and not Andrew Anthony. Um, yeah, so I yeah, will, yeah, correct, yeah. Because I, I, I feel like Andrew Anthony will be a factor for sure. Right. I. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I think you got to go Tyson just on production, but I think that still might be slightly unfair because if you put Brennan Thompson on that Colorado team, he's probably the best receiver too. Like, that that's the thing. Like, Texas has a lot more wide receiver talent than Colorado. I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any news there. So... It's Brennan was behind a stacked room with crazy speed. Tyson was in a room where there wasn't a lot of talent, and he really shined. Give me Tyson still because he's done it, and we've seen him do it. Yeah, in multiple different facets, right? Whether it's the deep ball, which I thought he excelled at the most last year, using that frame, using that speed to get behind the defense. But he also had some tough uh, contested catches too, which I really like. Like normally when you think of a speed guy – not all the time do you think of a guy that could go over the middle on a slant, catch a catch a ball on third and five and move the sticks, but Jordan Tyson was able to do that last year at Colorado. So I uh impressed with what I've seen from him thus far in the uh, limited, I, I don't know, limited, but in the uh, about the half of a season that we saw last year before he had the injury. Uh, text line says, yes, throw Andrew Anthony into that mix of the second group that I mentioned. But that's the thing, like, Regardless if these two wide receiver transfers from this cycle contribute, there's going to be a lot of portal players from this past offseason contribute. Andrew Anthony, you mentioned, right? Um, you're going to have at least one starter on the offensive line that is a portal guy. Uh, defensive line, you're definitely going to have some portal players. So it's 
it's definitely going to – there's going to be some familiar faces back for sure. Well, tight end. There's tight end. a lot of portal Everybody, players. Tight end, yeah. I mean, he's a Everyone transfer. I know him. he's I, – I know that he used to play here, but that counts as a transfer, and he is going to get all – I mean, all of the tight end targets, you know, for at least, I imagine, the first few weeks while the rest of the guys get back healthy. That's going to be huge. There's just so – there's just going to be a lot of – first-year portal players that are starters. Like, not just being added for depth, but, like, Rondell Bothroyd, I guess, I mean, could be your best defensive lineman next year. We'll see. I mean, that, that's at a premium position. He could be your main pass rusher next year. We'll see if someone else emerges at that spot, but just a, a lot of new faces next year. Uh, 832 on the uh, on the text line says, I'm happy to hear about these transfer wideouts, guys but why does it sound like the offense last year was not good? I thought the offense was good last year. See, I thought um, I thought the offense was just inconsistent a year ago. There was definitely times where it was good, like the Nebraska game. They were great. Um, some other games in conference last year here and there, they were really good, but when they were bad, man, second half of Oklahoma State, um, some other games mixed in there as well, Texas Tech second half, not, not, no, not so much the Tech game. But some other games thrown in there, like it was either hit or miss with the offense a year ago. It's like everything; they just got to be more consistent. No, and the offense was really good last year when you look at the numbers. But you got to keep in mind, right? You lost your your best wide receiver, your best running back, both of your tackles, your starting guard, your starting tight end. I mean, you lost. You're losing over half the offensive starters. So when you know, as we talk about this, it's you know, it's going to be a lot of new faces there, and I think that's why you see a lot of the portal. Sometimes it's, okay, you got a couple new faces and you got the same quarterback. Like, you know, it's pretty much the same offense. No, 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 you've got the two deep is going to look completely different, and especially on returning production. Guy says then, uh, we're talking about all these different names, then uh, Jaquace Petaway arrives and it's better than all of them. Well, uh, we knew that he was fast. He showed off that speed last weekend. What was that in the 100-meter where he only mm-hmm. finished behind Caden Durham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jaquay's pet away pretty fast. Right, and he's and he is really good. It's not and, and there are there are questions, obviously, just because you didn't see the production last year about Brennan Thompson as a true like route running wide receiver. Like everybody knows he's got world class speed, but it's all about, you know, what what type of receiver is he? There's not those questions about Jaquez Petaway. I mean, th- this guy is a, this guy is the total package. How do you feel about some of these other uh, portal targets? Let's start with Troy Everett, the offensive lineman out of App State. Sounds like it's down to OU and Virginia Tech. You know, I know it was Virginia Tech early, but Oklahoma's made up all that ground, which you li- you like to see, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, health and depth along the offensive line is always important. But I am really high on Josh Bates. I think Josh Bates is going to be one of those, you know, top two round NFL guys when his day comes around. I think he was the best center coming out of high school. He, you know, he stayed committed through all the coaching change and everything like that. I'm just really high on him. So uh, I like our chances there. Um, but. I personally don't think it's like a make-or-break to the season whether to bring this guy in. Yeah. Um, It's probably not ever ideal to have to play two freshmen on the offensive line, and I'm not saying that that's what my starting lineup on the O-line looks like right now. But if two freshmen 
Josh Bates and Caden Green have to play this year, I uh, I think that's probably going to be more about their progression, and, and that's at least that's what I'm hoping. I, I'm hoping the depth is okay, but by all accounts, I 100% agree with you about Josh Bates. But it sounds like Caden Green, he may not play tackle this year. Maybe he plays inside guard. But both of those two guys really impressed as true freshmen up front of the O line this past spring. Right, and you and you look to last year's class, kind of kind of headlined, if you will, by the two Jakes. And they had been impressive. So you might see Jake Taylor make his way into the field. Obviously, it was Jake Sexton's left tackle, starting left tackle job to lose. I mean, he started in the bowl game, obviously had the injury. But, I mean, these Bill Biedenboe's been bringing on some dudes lately. Talking about transfer portal wide receivers, I think we decided during locked in today, and we're not, we're not counting JUCO players. We can put them in a separate category. But the best, like, transfer portal wide receiver, and I know the portal wasn't necessarily a thing back when Jalen Saunders did it. I'm more talking about, like, um, D1 to D1 here. I'm going to say that Jalen Saunders is your best transfer portal wide receiver that you've had in program history, and then Marquise Brown, the best JUCO wide receiver transfer you've had in program history. Would you like to fight me on any of those, text line included? I'm not sure I'd fight you. I think some honorable mentions. Jeff Bidette, um came over from Kentucky. I uh, I always thought that he, you know, I really liked his skill set. And really the be- <laughs> the best transfer wide receiver we've had, he just, you know, never actually played for us, was Doriel Green Beckham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a part of that legendary uh, 2014 um, scout team, Baker Mayfield, Joe Mixon, DGB. Not Mark bad. Andrews, I that, think, was too, right? What was he? The tight end that year. That that team probably could have won <laughs> nine games that year. Oh, yeah. that season won eight. They probably could have won nine with that offense. It's pretty good. Yeah, that was that's 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 legendary stuff right there. But yeah, I I do agree. I, I think Marquise Brown uh, for sure. And then yeah, I, I'll give you Jalen Saunders. But yeah, I think guys like uh, Jeff Bidet definitely deserve a mention. Ooh, D.D. Westbrook, yeah, you're only Blitnikoff winner for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, he's the only Blitnikoff winner, so he might he might need to be the winner, actually. I mean, Jalen Saunders had, like, D.D. had one great elite year. D.D. was good in 2015, but D.D. was the best wide receiver in college football in 2016. Jalen Saunders and Hollywood Brown were better than more than just one year, but you're the best wide receiver for one year in college football. Yeah, that's that's text line. You could be right about that one, honestly. But it's it's a good argument, one way or the other. Four hundred five. And he took, and he took his food 30. truck to go uh, help tornado victims. So, Dee gets uh, cool. another uh, another point for that. Several points for that. That's what I said. Yeah. Knipple Myers Chevrolet text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. I'm at Chicken and Pickle today here in North OKC, eighty four hundred North Oklahoma Avenue. Uh, we're by the bar area. There's great drink selections. There's great food here, indoor, outdoor, pickleball courts available. They're having an awesome Cinco de Mayo party here tomorrow, which you probably want to be a part of if you're looking for a place to spend Cinco de Mayo. And on top of all of that, on top of all of this cool stuff they have for Cinco de Mayo tomorrow, it's also Bedlam Softball, ESPN2, no big deal. Come check out the games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here at Chicken and Pickle. 
ESPN2 on Friday, ESPN on Saturday, ESPN Plus on Sunday. We'll get to more of your text. Maybe talk a little about that Bedlam softball series starting up tomorrow, right here on The Ref, where the Homo Sooner fans. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel for you to this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Chicken in Pickle is where I'm at today. We've got a nice Thursday night crowd. Maybe some people getting to the uh, weekend a little bit early. Uh, but we got the MLB Network on. Going to have some uh, some hockey games on later tonight. Um, they got the NBA playoffs on out here, and they're going to have all three games of uh, Bedlam Softball getting underway tomorrow night on ESPN Saturday. God, I keep messing that up. ESPN 2 on Friday, <laughs> ESPN on Saturday, ESPN Plus on Sunday. They're going to have the A-team out there with Beth Mowens and Michelle Smith, which is going to be pretty cool. You got a, uh, a hot take, a hot prediction on what's going to happen in uh, Stillwater this weekend? I guess anything other than an OU sweep will be considered a hot take. Yeah, I think a sweep with two shutouts. I think they get a run across Ooh. at some point. But I think, uh, how about this? How about this for the trifecta? Um, one, you know, game where they, they score, we still win. One shutout and then one run rule shutout. I can dig that. Um, so how, how many, that, oh, yeah, I think that would keep the streak intact which is currently at, what I want to say, two or I think it's three Big 12 series. Anyway, there's only been one Big 12 series this year, Travis, where the opposing team has scored more runs than the total amount of OU wins over the weekend. So uh, we've read off some crazy stats today, but Texas is the only team that scored more than three runs this year on OU in a, in a three-game series, which is pretty wild. Yeah, a couple of them haven't scored any runs over a three-game series. It's no, it's absurd. I mean, and, and this is a good team. You know, they, you know, they're on a bit of a slide now. You start to wonder, Tyler, if maybe they looked ahead a bit, if they looked ahead to Oklahoma, and started to drop a couple games, and and still thought, man, we got to get ready for Oklahoma. I mean, surely we got to be in their head. I mean, we're we we you know, share a state with them and the local media and everything, and we're setting records and, and doing things numerically that others just you can't wrap your mind around. That has to get to them at some point, right? Yeah. Well, they be- they better uh, they better get back to hit the softball a little bit better offensively because I don't know if that's in their head right now, losing seven out of their last nine. That's their biggest issue right now is it doesn't seem like they're, hit- they're hitting all that well. So, no, man, I – Maybe they, well, they were got the best pitching staff in the country coming, so hopefully, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think things well, are going to get and much that, easier. And that and that's the thing too is you go whatever combination of Jordy, Nicole May, and Alex Duraco, like you have a legitimate like three game three game rotation. But OU has played their best softball against the best opponents, whether it was UCLA. And they beat them 14-0 in five innings. I mean, OU is, what, 17-0 against ranked teams this year? That's the thing I'd be worried about if I was OSU. Yes, that, that starting rotation, but OU's kind of they, – they've, uh, they've rose to the occasion this year every time, they've, uh, every time they've played big games. Yeah, and it feels like game one in this series, you know, it's, it's really set up to get ugly when you just consider how their midweeks went, right? I mean, their ace, Kelly Maxwell – just lost to North Texas, you know, and then, you know, they were in, they were, they had starters in that game the entire time, obviously, whereas Oklahoma was able to take the short trip just over to Tulsa. Each pitcher, they threw four different pitchers. Nobody really 
was in a lot of risk all day. They 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 cleared the bench essentially, got a lot of freshmen some playing time, things like that. Like like Oklahoma is coming in extremely well rested on both the pitching staff and uh, those that will be swinging the bat. So. It's just it could get ugly. It could get ugly tomorrow in game one, and then we'll see how everybody regroups. By the way, in the uh, conversation of best transfer portal or transfer wide receiver, D1 to D1, um, Justin Brown was getting some love on the text line. And, you know, Jalen Saunders had the punt return touchdown in 2013 in Bedlam. Justin Brown had a punt return touchdown in Bedlam in 2012. So we talked about the drought that OU has in terms of kick and punt return touchdowns. Well, there there's two there's two transfer guys that did it in back to back years. Maybe Jordan Tyson, maybe Brennan Thompson, maybe another transfer portal wide receiver is what you need to getting back to making big special teams plays. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, like I said, it's it you you put them back there and they can kind of you know, just let it all loose because that's where they're going to make their hay, right? I mean, they they don't have to worry about okay, I got to get up and you know, I just got done playing defense, like you know, Billy Bowman might say. You know, by using a wide receiver, you're not getting somebody fresh off the field that now has got to run back and then reach top speed um, right away. So yeah, it opens up a lot of opportunity. And like I said earlier, we've got a coach that lets you return punts now, which is pretty good. You know, if you're trying to get a touchdown out of that. I'll let you take this one on the text line from the 405. Is all the wide receiver transfer activity an indictment of Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson and others? I don't necessarily think it's an indictment. I do think we've already dealt with some injuries early. Obviously, J.J. Hester, um, Nick Anderson, you know, we've had some injuries there. I think I think it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, if wide receivers want to come here and you're talented – why not? Like, why not bring more in? I, I do think that we've got guys, like I look at an Andrew Anthony or I look like an LV Bunkley Shelton uh, or even a Nick Anderson or something when they're healthy, and we've got guys that can definitely play on that side opposite Jaleel Farouk, but given the opportunity to upgrade at a place like Oklahoma, you just you keep bringing dudes in. It's, it's a competitive, competitive place. So while I don't think it's fully in an indictment, uh, I, I do think the coaching staff wants to make sure that they have all of their options in front of them. Jalen Saunders had punt return touchdowns in 2012 and 2013 against OSU. Are you sure that wasn't Justin Brown in 2012? I thought that was uh, thought that was Justin Brown in 2012. This text from the 918, Jordan Tyson is currently visiting Arizona State. Hopefully everything still works out with him and OU. Yeah, he he is uh he's visiting the school that he took a uh, punt back on last year. I'm sure Arizona State is very happy about the, him visiting Tempe today. I'm sure that's maybe the he's case. just there to rub it in. Yeah, maybe he, maybe he's there to he's just there to rub it in. He's and he's he he's going to request. He's like, oh, I brought actually some film with me, and he's just going to put that on again, and he and then he's just going to leave. He's going uh, to commit, he's gonna commit to OU live from Tempe. That'd be sweet. I'll say it again. Bama had Jamison Williams on punt team as a gunner, and he was a headhunter. Put your best players on the field. 
I am uh, I'm with that best players on the field. Yeah, I've always and and as we've continued to talk about this returner situation, like I've always been that guy. Like we we've, we've listed OU players specifically that have like right. You look at Mims, you look at Ceedee Lamb, you look at I mean. You could go on and on, right? I mean, we would go through the whole segment if we just listed OU players that did. But you get your best players on the field, and injuries are just part of the game. So that's why I want, you know, Billy Bowman returning kicks. When he was healthy last year, anytime he's had the ball in his hands, he's absolutely dynamic. It just looks different. He's got the speed. He's got the wiggle. And, again, you can't play scared. You can play smart, but don't play scared. Something that I haven't heard discussed much, says a texter in the 918. Lack of production slash drop slash no breakouts last year at wide receiver. Did losing Kale have a much bigger impact uh, than anyone I've heard mention? Maybe. I mean, it's maybe. But it's, it's really hard to say one way or the other if losing the wide receivers coach was the reason there was a lack of production. Maybe the lack of production was because the offensive line uh, was hit or miss last year. Maybe the lack of production was because the quarterback missed too many layups. Maybe the lack of production was because the wide receivers missed too many layups l- last year. I, I don't think that there's – and I think this is the case for the entire team and not saying that this is a good thing necessarily, but there wasn't just one thing that you can necessarily point to as to why they went 6-7 and seven last year. And to me, that includes the wide receivers. Did Kale have an impact on that, like his departure? Yeah, Maybe. But to me, there were so many other things involved along with that as well. I would agree with that. And and really the, you know, the continuity, right? You, you mentioned Kale being gone, but then L.D. Washington, having really never coached wide receivers before, he's put in charge. And then now you've got Emmett like a little bit of consistently. And part of it is they had a new quarterback, right? They had a whole new offense. They had a new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new everything. So I think – I think you mentioned a lot of great points uh, when it comes to offensive line, quarterbacks, and their own inadequacy. But there's just in year one, there's just so much going on. The schedules change. The 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 entire offense changes. Like th- there's just a lot that goes in. So I don't think, you know, I mean, Mims still had a a good year. I mean, went second round of the draft and and had numbers wise a good year. But you know. It, all of that goes into it for sure. Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to that. A whole lot more OU football coming up next right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Center fans. It's, like to be the it's the rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. You know, this is uh, – we're not peak off-season just yet, Travis, but we're getting pretty close. However, seemingly this month, we're going to find out some uh, pretty substantial news about the future of OU football. I'm not talking about Jordan Tyson's decision or anyone else that's currently in the transfer portal. It sounds like this month we're going to find out what the schedule structure is once OU's in the SEC. Whether that's a 6-3 or 3-6 format, I guess, three permanent opponents, six, uh, six random, or the 1-7 uh, model with just the eight SEC games. And whichever one is decided, and it sounds like it's going to happen this month, it's going to be pretty massive news for the future of OU football. Yeah, and it'll be great for content. I know that much. <laughs> I, I think you and I are both on the same page, right? Three and six? 
I just don't know how it's not going to be 3-6, to be honest with you. Like, I, I read a story in The Athletic today, and they put it perfectly. It's like, yes, there's so many great rivalries in the SEC. There, there's probably more great rivalries in the SEC than any other conference. But, like, Georgia. Georgia's got a great secondary rivalry with Auburn. Um, Tennessee, of course, has one with Florida and Georgia and Alabama. Like, with the 3-6 schedule model, this uh, article that I read today via the, via the Athletic, they think that you're a lot more likely to get to play those, especially with the 3-6 that you get to play. You'll get to play each team in the SEC twice every four years, if that, I think if that makes sense. You'll have a home-and-home home with them, with every team in the SEC, every four years outside of the three teams that you play every single year. So the big schools want the 3-6. The smaller schools want the 1-8, one, one less SEC game to get to six wins a lot easier, I think the bigger money schools are going to win out in the end. And I actually feel pretty good about that. Right. And, you know, I think it is an absolute just travesty that there are kids that get to play or the kids that play in the SEC that have never been to some SEC opponents. I think, especially the ones that have been there for sometimes five, sometimes now six years. So, the whole point of being in the conference, you know, is to be able to play the other teams in the conference. So to your point, I think it should be absolute bare minimum that you go to every school at least once every four years. Give me the three six. Uh, that's why I don't like the division for so for so long. We've been dealing with the East and West, you know, the SEC kind of setting up the big dogs for success. That's why we never get Alabama and Georgia playing in the you know in the regular season and this, this that and the other. So yes, just get us to as many SEC stadiums as possible in a short amount of time. Best thing for the fans. Best, I think it's best thing for everyone. What you just said, man. Get get to every place once every four years. I think that's perfect. Unfortunately, we might have to go to Columbia twice every four years. But um, if that's the worst thing about the the new schedule in this conference, I, I guess I should be. I guess I should be thankful because I haven't heard anyone push back recently on what was that? They came out of around two months ago now. The thought that OU's three permanent opponents will be Texas, Missouri, and Florida. I, I haven't heard anyone say definitively that that's not going to be the case. It actually sounds like that's who it's going to be. Yeah, well, it's. do you think, Tyler, that – it has been. It was decided, and maybe kind of floated a little bit out, like because we got those rumors about who the rivals were going to be, what months ago, right? Like yep. the, those articles started coming out. Do you feel like those might have been leaked a little bit to see, hey, uh, Nick Kirby, like, is this going to be okay? You know, uh, maybe checking with some of the power players in the conference. Do you think that kind of stuff might have happened? Because it seemed like we were very close to getting some announcements, and then nothing. Yeah, maybe. Came. Maybe, maybe it was more of, oh boy, um, we have to have Alabama and Auburn. We have to have Alabama and Tennessee, especially after what happened last year. And Alabama and LSU's been pretty good here recently, too. We, we have to have that. Like, maybe they floated that out because Alabama would have by far and away the toughest three permanent opponents every single year. Maybe they floated it out to see what Nick Saban would say to it, and Nick Saban did not like that one bit because he saw everyone else's assignment and he said, uh, "What are we doing here? Ours is far tougher than anyone else's. Let's let's go ahead and change that." And he'll probably get that changed, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, w- wouldn't it be great 
if uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if you know we saw all those reports and then Alabama rolls out with Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Auburn. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah Auburn. Yeah, like, we're gonna be like, okay, yep. Old St. Nick uh, had something to do with this. He had to sacrifice uh, all the men's coaches at his university for it, but, you know, when he was supposed to be taking care of that. But, yeah, I think I think you'll see a bit of influence if, if something like you're saying actually happened. Uh, let's see. Florida's not happening. Too established at SEC, they will have more regional rivalries. Okay, I mean, maybe I just – there's a guy on SI.com who knows what he's talking about that has talked to a lot of people and said that that's, that's going to be an OU's three permanent opponents. Like I, More regional rivalries would make sense, but it also would be fun to establish a new rivalry in the SEC, which is what OU and Florida would be. I, I think OU and Florida would be awesome. And well, of course if, that is, if that is right about the three permanent opponents, the way things currently sit right now, and Florida can always turn things around, pretty quickly but man how favorable of a draw would that be for OU to get Texas Missouri and Florida that's about as favorable of a draw as you could maybe ask for looking at it now anyway no I agree and I think Florida is going to be really bad this year with Graham Mertz starting and they're just having a lot of issues did you see uh did you see what you know they haven't really added anybody in the portal um there was a report that came out that said that there was a, there was a player at a position of need that they wanted in the portal and they asked the player to put together film for Florida that Florida was going to look at and then just you know determine whether or not they were going to recruit him and the Jeez. recruit was like ah, I'm good and ended up going somewhere else like like it's that's incredible Tyler in in this day and age you have college like you have college scouting departments to scout you know the 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 portal uh, you know potential portal entries and things like that floor i don't know what they're doing in florida man it is my florida buddies are are freaking out um any chance they move on from napier after this year if they go let's say they roll off uh say they roll off another six and seven would he be out the door i don't know what his buyout is i have no idea well yeah it's it's almost um I don't know. It's not exactly like it, obviously, but I kind of compare it to Sark having Arch and, like, that's great job security. DJ Lagway is very good job security. They like him a lot. Um, you know, they had multiple people at OT7 down there in Austin to watch him. Uh, you know, it's it might be a situation where it's like, hey, look, you know, Graham Mertz may not be the guy, but the collective they're the ones that screwed up Jaden Rashada's recruitment it wasn't Napier and now Napier's got Lagway coming in so it's like maybe maybe the problems at Florida are not being laid at the feet of Billy Napier maybe but it's it's not in a good spot right now that's for sure and with Georgia Georgia's got it going Tennessee um has a pulse I mean they, they went on Orange Bowl last year best season since Phil Fulmer was on campus. South Carolina feels like they could have a nice team this year. Kentucky's been doing some good things recently. Um, you can fall pretty quickly back to the uh, back to the back uh, to the pack of the SEC East if uh, if you're not careful. This text from the 405 says OU Nebraska every year got sacrificed in the Big 12. Bama Tennessee isn't that big of a rivalry. That one could go away. Uh, 
don't tell Tennessee that it's not that big of a rivalry. <laughs> it's been lopsided recently, I'll give you that. But I think if you were to ask Tennessee fans, like Tennessee, like Alabama is Tennessee's most, um, I guess, historic rival, if you want to call it that. Like Tennessee hates Florida. Tennessee hates Georgia. Tennessee hates Kentucky. They hate Vanderbilt. Tennessee hates everyone. But I do think Tennessee hates Alabama more than anyone else in the SEC. So I, I think Alabama-Tennessee actually is a pretty big deal, especially with where it's at now after Tennessee won that game. Yeah, and, you know, is it as big as OU-Nebraska? Well, I mean, the OU-Nebraska games, the, what was at stake with a lot of those games historically? No. I mean, no, it's not on that level. But I, But I don't think – you know, I, I don't think that Alabama and Tennessee, given the opportunity of not being in divisions anymore, but instead having, like, annual rivalries, like just having that option to, like, just go ahead and latch onto that rivalry, I mean, th- there's no way either of those schools are going to say, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, one more from the 918. University of Florida head coach Garrett Riley with an LOL attached to it. Garrett Riley has a good year at Clemson because the offense the past couple of years has not been great. Uh, he could be I, he could be one year away from getting a big-time Power 5 job. That would not surprise me. Yeah, I, to be honest, Tyler, I thought he was going to get one after this year. Like, I, I truly believe that. I was kind of shocked to see him go to Clemson. I mean, obviously, not maybe shocked isn't the appropriate word, but – I do think that he's a head coach after one year at Clemson. I truly do. Yeah, got Clay, uh, Cade Klubnick coming back this year. So, what he'll he's be a true sophomore, right, Klubnick? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see if the Clemson offense, if their offense is better, they got a. Uh, well, I mean, it's a one-two battle. It's Clemson or Florida State to win in the ACC this year, but Clemson's got that game at home and late September. That might decide it all. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll close it up. Coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, final segment live from Chicken and Pickle, North OKC. Cinco de Mayo tomorrow, no big deal. Come out here for all the Cinco de Mayo festivities. Watch a little OU softball this weekend. Top 10 matchup. Bedlam softball for the third consecutive year. Uh, Travis, here is a, here's a headline that was uh, put out today that a lot of people had an issue with, though I think there's a lot of truth to it. The headline reads like this. The new Big 12's talent drain makes it more like the American than the ACC. That is a headline about the new Big 12's talent after OU in Texas saying, yeah, it looks, like, looks more like the American conference than it does the ACC. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, it, it really – it, it, it depends on how you're judging it, right? Are you judging it on draft picks or are you judging it on recruiting rankings? Because recruiting rankings, they're they're probably pretty close to accurate right there. After you get OU and Texas off the rankings, it drops drastically. I don't think anybody else last year was even in the top 20 maybe, and, I, I, and I'm not looking at it, but that, that would be my guess, and I know some finished in the 40s, 50s. So with that being said, TCU just had what the fourth most draft picks, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 tough because you're backloading. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma have the most talent, but you're backloading with double the schools. So 
I don't know. I, I personally, I personally think if if you're talking recruiting rankings, and right now I don't think there are a ton of just sure-fired, you know, great head coaches in the new Big Twelve. I don't know. I I, t- I tend to believe it actually, to be honest. Who's going to be uh, consistently the top-ranked recruiting class in the new Big Twelve? TCU. Man. Um. Depends on how long they can hold on to a couple of their coaches, but I mean, it, I, I suppose it would have to be because when you look at the teams that have been the most successful, I mean, OSU over the last decade's been the second most successful team, but they just don't—they don't care about recruiting, so they're not yeah. going to be up at the top. Uh, maybe Kansas State goes on a bit of a run. I would probably do. I would probably say Kansas State, or maybe. Honestly, UCF gets some Florida talent, maybe. I was going to say UCF, too. Wants to play in a better conference, maybe. Yeah, I'll go with UCF in, in year one without OU or Texas. <laughs> but, but, but it's tough, right? It's probably going to be yeah, a different team like, every five years or something like that. None of, the, none of them may be ranked, even ranked in the top 15s. We'll see. Right. All right, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back with you tomorrow on a Cinco de Mayo Friday. Have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on The Ref. Oh, yeah.